Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Leading up towards early Cubs and Reds baseball. That's a 12-10 start with an 11-30 pregame or so. And then you've got the White Sox after that hosting the Oakland A's. Fun week for the A's to be in town, huh? Except they lost, uh, what, two out of three uh, to the Cubs and now get to play against uh, the White Sox for a final game today. A's and White Sox, that's at 110 on WGN. It's Harold Baines Day at Guaranteed Rate Field. So there's a pregame ceremony for Harold Baines. Get there at 1215 if you want to see the pregame ceremony for the new Hall of Famer and the first 20,000 fans who enter the ballpark get their very own Baines Hall of Fame plaque. I love that. So you get the plaque. That's, that's cool. And so you can take it home and hang it up and say, yep, that's the real thing. You bet. I went to Cooperstown, stole that myself. Or me and Harold are tight, so he gave me his. Or, you know, I got a buddy at Cooperstown, and they made one replica. They were, since they were making one, they made two, and they sent me one. But whatever. 20,000 of you for A's White Sox. Get over there. Get a Harold Baines plaque. That's pretty cool. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. And uh, we are taking your text at 6711. Speaks, remember when Latroy Hawkins, who was a great setup man with the Twins, came to the Cubs, and they made him a closer? He couldn't handle that pressure and failed miserably. Certain jobs in sports are unique, and you have to find the right fit, 100%. In baseball, how many jobs are there like that? Lead off. Say it definitively. Stop saying, just put your best hitter up there. No. What Hayward said so brilliantly, and I know we played it last week, was that sometimes you're going up there trying to drive in runs and, and do what is best for the situation, and sometimes you're going up there just trying to grind out an at-bat and go longer than you might ordinarily go to see a lot of pitches, to uh, try to wear down the opposition, to try to give your teammates a glimpse at the other starting pitcher. So when you walk back past the two-hitter and the three-hitter, you can say he's doing this, he's doing that. Uh, So you can maybe draw a walk so you see a longer at-bat, so you can keep the walk in play, that kind of thing. And when you toggle back and forth between those approaches, it can mess with you. It can absolutely mess with you. So, yeah, that has been definitively said, decided upon, and, uh, and the full-on analytical nerds have bent to the power of mentality. Because any really good analytics human knows it's a blend. Any really good scouting human knows it's a blend as well. Texture says, Baines, Hall of Fame, get real. We've had that conversation. We've, we've had it. We've done it. Doesn't matter. The man's in. Good for him. 
So, it, I mean, nice guy, great career, stoic White Sox presence. And have fun today as you try to figure out which is the statue and which is actually Harold. And you might not know. You know, if he stands next to him, you might not know until Harold starts to speak. But he will speak, I'm sure, today. Let's go to the phone lines. This is George in River Grove on 670 The Score. George, you're on with me, Matt Spiegel, here on Hit and Run. What's going on? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Well, I am, I am fine, and also I am doing well. Thank you. I am, I am grateful for the opportunity to vent. Okay. And, and somebody needs to send this memo to the White Sox manglement. Because they sure as hell ain't management. This team is in the fourth year of a rebuild. It's the biggest hunk of junk you ever saw. Third year of a rebuild. Quit blowing smoke up my south end. When the White Sox end up in the the World Series or or a serious contender, there will be no Ricky Renteria. There will be no Todd Steverson. I heard this guy say one time, "Uh, I never mess with a guy's mechanics. Let me give you the memo on the third law of motion from Sir Isaac Newton. Every action has a consequence. (laughs) And when people are standing too far off the plate, too far back in the box, you can't hit a pitch. I see these hitters going, they look at a pitcher after they strike out, like that's the guy that I'm going to get you or something like that. The pitcher strikes you out because you help him strike you out. Quit dumpster diving at 59-footers. Ricky Renteria, instill some focus, instill some discipline, instill some retribution when people don't play well, when they don't bust their ass out of the box like they're supposed to. He's done that. Does that mean they He's don't done get that. paid enough? He's done that, George. He's done that. He's done that several times. Trying Never. To hold some I'm not that good. I know I got to bust my ass out of the box. I never dogged it. That's that's you're wrong about that. No, you there's you, a million you guys. Watched, that, I, I can I can quote there's this. There's a million guys that if they were capable of if you gave them a uniform for one day and they hit the ball, yeah. they would run so fast you they would fall down. They were running so damn hard. Yeah, but they might not there's hit no, the ball. There's no discipline. Thank you, George. Uh, that that's not true. Uh, uh, some of that was entertaining. Um, some of that is stuff that we've heard before from George, the hitting coach in River Grove. I think I've, I think I've been on the receiving end of Isaac Newton's uh, law of motion or whatever that was. And if the apple fell down from the tree and hit you in the noggin this morning, um, we still appreciate the call. Thank you, George. I, I, you look, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there, some of it entertaining, some of it weird. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I will say this. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this. I don't think Ricky Renteria is the manager of this team when they, when they are truly great. If they ever get great, I don't think it's Ricky. And I'm sorry. I don't like to say it. He's a nice man. But, boy, there's some things that, that go on that I don't, I don't approve of, be it lineup construction, be it some strategical things, uh, things like that. I, I think they will, unfortunately, um, get a point B to point C guy. Now, I mean, maybe they won't because the White Sox are, are so incredibly loyal as an organization. It's possible that they will not. Uh, but it just, it just strikes me that that's going to be the, the thing that is, that is sensible. Um, I will say this. Uh, whoever is in Reynaldo Lopez's ear, whether it is Ivan Nova, and we know Nova is giving him $100 if he speaks English after games when he talks to the media, um, whoever is in Renato Lopez's ear, whoever has gotten him to change his focus, needs to uh, get a little pat on the back. Uh, over the last six starts, and this is from our guy Chris Kampka right here on the Twitters, it's a 2.13 ERA for Renato Lopez. 
37 strikeouts over those last six starts in 38 innings. And it is, I mean, that is his, uh, that is his second half, these six second-half starts, three and one if you care about the wins. But that 2.13 ERA and the 37 Ks, it's, it, it's been very impressive for Renato Lopez. That's for sure. Texters say, uh, wow, Speaks having a good group of callers today. Everyone is so angry. Yeah, I think, I think there are a lot of angry guys. There are a lot of angry guys. Um, and uh, <laughs> can you please stop taking calls from guys that sound like SNL superfans? <laughs> Come on. I don't know. Can't do that. I can't. Those, those, those guys, they're callers. They're listeners. They're hanging. If you, if you have a better thought, you call up, sir. You call up, okay? This is Bill in Algonquin on 670 The Score. Bill, good morning, and welcome in on Hit and Run as we're talking Sox and Cubs. Morning, morning Speaks. Good show. Thanks, buddy. No, Speaks, before I get to my point about Madden, yeah. I just want to say I've been doing the Jumble in the Tribune for the last 50 years, the Sunday Jumble. Okay. Today, the Jumble shows four people in a ballpark having a good time. Uh-huh. The caption reads, when the home team took a 10 to nothing lead, I'm like, What? Ten to nothing? Ring any bells? It says the fans in the stadium were blank, 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 blank. Hmm. And I'm not going to get the answer. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to spend the rest of the show. Ten to nothing lead. Yeah. I'm gonna the heels of last night. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah, that's, I, that's, I that, that, seems, that seems a little too convenient, doesn't it? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, when I got an inside track, well, come on. <laughs> anyway, don't you think the pitching staff on the Cubs have given up on Madden? The starting pitching? No. What do you mean? How would well, you, how Lester, would you I tell? I mean, Lester would, you think Lester would cry any tears? You know, and I don't think Hendricks is necessarily enthralled with the guy either. You think Lester would cry any tears if Madden, if Madden left? Madden left? Um, actually, I just talked about that with John Lester about a week and a half ago. And what do you think? Uh, he, he, he appreciates the way Joe has been this year. I think, I think he appreciates that Joe has stepped forward and been uh, more involved this year. I, well, I guess I go back to Hamels and those people. I, there, there, there's been a bad vibe. I don't know. I, yeah. Okay, it's, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Well, you know, I, I mean, look, Hendricks and Madden have always have always had something. Um, there was a it was a pretty big game that Hendricks didn't think he should be taken out of, and I know that oh, more than a few. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that some of those feelings have repeated along the way. Thank you for the call, Bill. Appreciate it. I, I think. It's really interesting. It's funny because I'm seeing stuff. What did I see today in the Tribune from Paul Sullivan? Like these next few games could, could write the uh, Madden's fate could hang in the balance. Final seven weeks may be barometer for manager's future. I think, I think the manager's future has been written. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong, but five years is a hell of a run. And I think that's, uh, that's been decided. Um, I've, I've, I've said now for a couple years I, that I didn't think Joe was – going to get a second contract i think that they just believe the front office believes and a lot of people around baseball believe that there's a there's a time stamp on on certain guys that effectiveness wanes as the years go on especially if guys have unique styles and incredibly consistent styles which is joe's strength his uniqueness and his and his consistency are his strength but i think that can also lead to a bit of wear down very few guys have like lots of different gears Personally and leadership-wise, um, man, the, the dude I love, the, the, the manager that I love in baseball is at it again. He's at it again right now. His team, which started terribly, 
then flipped it around and is at it again. His team that traded away their best pitcher is at it again. And Jake Odorizzi of the Twins shut them down last night, the Indians. But, I mean, my goodness, what the Cleveland Indians are doing again is just amazing. It, re- it really is. And, and Francona's done this a lot in his life. They're now 23 games over 500. They were 11 and a half games back at one point in this division. And yesterday, before that game, they were tied for first. Now they're a game back. Francona's done that before. Remember Francona in 2017 after they, too, were suffering from, from the World Series hangover? And then they righted the ship? What, they win 24 in a row that year? Remember that? That dude. I just, I, I will forever have Francona envy. I just got to say. This hour on the score is brought to you by First American Bank, the largest privately held bank in Illinois. We do more for your money. I, I mean, that said, uh, Joe has had some really weird challenges over the course of these last few years, and these, t- these teams have made the playoffs every single year. Is this the weirdest team and the weirdest challenge for Joe? I think we said that last year, right? And, and here we are this year, and he's, he's being forced to do it again. That bullpen, man. No Kinsler, now no Kimbrell, no Ciszek, can't trust Strope. Carl Edwards is gone, finally. Uh, Kyle Ryan on the bereavement list. Good luck the rest of this road trip with that bullpen. Just insane. 670, the score is where you are. Lots of text coming in at 670-11. This is Ralph on the south side. Ralph, good morning, and thanks for calling. How are you? Hey, morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I think the Sox will compete next year. We got two guys coming off the um, uh, injured uh, list pitchers, but we need two more players because Garcia and uh, Yomar are, are bench guys. They're not everyday starters. And my uh, uh, Mar- seems to need some type of. Uh, stretching routine because he's always injuring something i'll hang up and listen thank you for the call ralph uh, i appreciate it yeah I, I think lurie is a is a is a utility guy i don't know if yolmer has a place on a really good team actually i i'm, I'm I, I don't you know i i love his personality that, that that's for sure um they're gonna have to have a big money perfect off season and it might not work out in terms of uh, the long term but you have to know that and they were willing to do it last year. They, they, they went after Manny Machado hard and just missed. They missed. And we've talked about that enough. But I hope they're willing to do it again. If they decide it's Garrett Cole, okay, go get him. If they decide it's Anthony Rendon to round out that lineup, whoo, man. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine adding Rendon to a core of Jimenez and Mancada and Anderson and Luis Robert will be here and the probably will keep Abreu. You imagine that, adding Rendon to that? All of a sudden, you got, you know, you have a, a lengthy lineup that you can feel really good and feel really excited about. But there's, there's some interesting guys out there. I don't know who's going to sign Nicholas Castellanos, but uh, if, if I'm either team, I am interested in Nicholas Castellanos. That guy has been tremendous so far as a Cub. I have liked him a lot more than I expected to like him. I think he has meant more to the lineup than I thought that one guy could in terms of the infusion in terms of his style and his skill and his hunger, 
Uh, I am a fan of Nicholas Castellanos. And you're not going to make a decision after, what, seven, eight games about re-signing a guy long-term. But maybe you've got the inside track, Cubs, in terms of talking to him if you'd like to. And this is the year that a lot of money comes off the books. Castellanos is a very nice, different kind of hitter to have in that lineup. Diversification of the lineup, which we've been calling for for a long time with the Cubs, is uh, exemplified by Nicholas Castellanos. All right, callers, we will get to you at 312-644-6767. Uh, we will get to some text at 67011. And um, I want to talk about something that I found a little bit concerning in some of the news coming out of the Cubs' bullpen. If we don't have time to get to it next, we'll do it at the top of the hour. As we are here till 11.30 or so, it's Matt Spiegel and Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It is Hit and Run with me, your host, Matt Spiegel, taking your phone calls. Phone calls have been um, entertaining today. Um, Some of them uh, bizarre, but certainly entertaining. And I refuse to stop taking them. I refuse. It's one of those days, folks. Interesting uh, stuff going on all around baseball. I mentioned that the Indians have made uh, their massive push to get back into first place, tied with the Twins. Just incredible. Now, uh, the, the Twins, mm, they'd fallen behind by a combined 28 runs before scoring themselves to begin the four games before this last one. So, man, they were, they just, they've been getting destroyed. They needed a great start, and they got one from Jake Odorizzi who was, had probably his best swing and miss stuff that he's had for a while. He's not really a swing and miss guy. That's why he's been cut from a lot of uh, fantasy teams, um, even though he's gotten a lot of wins and the ERA has been, has been low. But the Twins' rotation over the last four games was just getting destroyed, and that includes Jose Barrios, an 11.51 ERA for the rotation. And then Odorizzi comes out and gives five and two-thirds scoreless. And it was big. And now the Twins are there, back atop the American League Central. There's a few races. There's a couple of races of consequence that, that should be some fun as we, uh, as we roll towards the postseason. The New York Mets are just outrageous right now. And the Mets are a half game back of the wild card. Washington and Milwaukee are tied for the National League wild card. They would play if the season ended today and Washington would host by percentage points. But, of course, that stuff will even out. And then the Cardinals and the Mets are a half game back. The Phillies, who made that massive push in the offseason, are a game and a half back with two in front of them just to make a wild card. What a disappointment that would be if the Phillies don't even make the playoffs after they added everything they added, including Bryce Harper, in the offseason. And then even though they were sellers, Arizona is still there, two and a half back for the wild card. The Giants sold a bit but held on to some pieces. They're four games back in the wild card. And Cincinnati, 
who has put together their team in a really interesting way, a way that some derided, but you have to give them credit for at least trying to be interesting and viable in a different way. They didn't do a full teardown. They said, well, let's grab some of this and some of that, and we've got some good young players like Jesse Winker and other guys that we're going to use. we got Luis Castillo. Let's see what we can do. Well, they're four and a half back for a wild card, but even if they don't make it, they're primed to, uh, to be a very interesting team next year in terms of contention, and, and one or two free agent acquisitions of consequence could really – could really just you know bulk them up and get them over the top a little bit into a full-on contender. It's 670 the score. Let's go to the phone lines right here. This is Stan in Bellwood. Stan, I talked to you last week for the first time in a long time, and nice to bring you back in. Or I guess it was two weeks ago, whatever oh, it was. Hello, glad Stan. Glad to do it. How you doing, Steve? I'm great, man. Thanks. Great show as usual. And the callers, you're, you're absolutely right. They're very entertaining today. <laughs> well, top it. <laughs> top it, sir. Well, I, I don't know if I can. Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to – you were talking about uh, the um, – uh, twins and the Indians a minute ago. Uh, I just wanted to add uh, one little uh, sideline to it. Yep. Uh, you know, Terry Francona, if the Indians wind up winning the American League Central, he's probably going to wind up being the manager of the year, which is odd in itself because the Indians originally, you know, at the start of the season were picked to win that division anyway. Uh-huh. So, I, you know, you wouldn't have thought that he would be a manager of the year candidate, but he certainly would be if they wind up winning the division. Well, that, you know, that's, that's how crazy baseball is. It, it is how crazy it is. And when you look at them, you know, this is, this is a team that lost Corey Kluber to a yeah. broken arm and traded away Trevor Bauer. Carlos Carrasco has, I think it's leukemia. For yeah, Carlos yes, Carrasco, so that's Danny Salazar has been hurt. Well, most they, of the year. And they, you know they they gave away yeah, half their starting lineup during the offseason yes, too. Yes. I mean uh, Jan Gomes, they they didn't bother to bring back either Josh Donaldson or uh, uh, Michael Brantley, and those guys are uh, big big uh, pieces on contending teams this year. The the Clint, the, the Indians look like they were. Uh, on the road to nowhere. Well, absolutely. You know, and, and, and we had Terry Francona on inside the clubhouse this year uh, with Bruce Levine on a Saturday morning. And I asked him if any of the twins or the, the Indians front office moves have been a surprise, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of them. And he said, no, I knew what I was getting into and they tell me everything. So he, he knows he's on board. He is a yeah, part. He, he is a partner. And that's what managers have to be uh, these days. So uh, he's one of the best. No, absolutely. No, no doubt about it. But I want to talk about the White Sox. So you, you posed the question uh, to Sox fans, you know, do we view them as contenders in 2020? And uh, I'm not as uh uh, off the rails as George from River Grove, <laughs> but I, I get his, I take his point. Uh, I'm not as uh, optimistic now as I was uh, earlier this year. The White Sox, in the span of just a few weeks, uh, have gone from a promising, uh, exciting team with with their arrow pointed up to a bad borderline unwatchable team in just a span of a few weeks here. They have an anemic offense, and I think that uh, this underscores the big mistake that they made uh, at the deadline by not replenishing the cupboard and holding on to uh, Abreu and Colomay. I mean, I would bet, I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't admit it publicly, but I think Rick Hahn is probably kicking himself for that call uh, today uh, and, and would do it 
if he had it to do over again. The offseason, you're right about what you said earlier, uh, is going to be very big. The White Sox can't afford to come away empty-handed like they did last year. But, the, you know, the good news is that they, you know, their situation is not hopeless because they play in the American League Central, and the Royals and the Tigers are just uh, uh, years causes. and years away from, you know, from being a factor. So, I mean, the, the White Sox situation is not hopeless, but I, you know, I can't figure out what's happened in the last month. The, the White Sox are a bad team today, and they need to do something about it. Thank you, Stan, for the call. Yeah, they, they weren't bad at all in the first half, um, and, it, and, it, and it's been bad for a while here in the second half. I disagree about Colome, and I disagree that Rick Hahn is, is kicking himself about Colome or, 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 or Abreu. I, I don't know what kind of value there was out there for Abreu. And um, and I think the relationship that they have with him, they would. I, I think he's going to come back on a very manageable deal. But anyway, Colome Colome knows how to get those last three outs. He is comfortable getting those last three outs. We just talked about how mentally that's a different thing. Don't go into next year forcing Aaron Bummer to deal with that just because he's excellent. You know, um, in fact, the way the baseball is going with the flexibility, let Aaron Bummer be that guy who can give you two, two and a third sometimes. You know. Let Aaron Bummer be what Andrew Miller was for the for the Indians when they were rolling. Um, it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be the closer. You don't have to worry about that because Colum A is is backing up Bummer. But you need Bummer in the seventh, bring him. You need Bummer in the eighth, bring him. You end up having waited all the way to the ninth. You want to use Bummer there? That's fine too. But you know, more than likely you'll you'll go to Colum A. Um, Six seventy, the score is where you are. I, I think. It's been troubling. It has been troubling, and some of the managerial stuff has been troubling. But overall, just don't don't forget where the arrow is pointing. And if you need to look to Charlotte for for players, and you need to look to Birmingham for um, for for managers, and think about Omar Vizquel, you can do that too. So there's there, there's there's good there's more good stuff coming, and uh, I, I'm hopeful that next year can be can be the year one of your full-on contending window. But they need a perfect offseason. Maybe they'll have it. They've made an interesting hire, um, and it's a guy who is a great story in and of himself who I look forward to checking in with, and that is Danny Farquhar. Danny Farquhar, who uh, obviously had that horrific health scare during a game uh, as a member of the White Sox, and then thankfully survived and actually made his way all the way back to be pitching again and trying to make it in the bigs has shifted and is now becoming a White Sox instructor. We'll get the story, the details and talk to him next. That's Danny Farquhar of the White Sox. That'll be next right here on hit and run on six seventy. the score. I have gotten lots of uh, text messages and gifts from guys I've never even played with before and teams that I have no idea who's on the team. And um, it's been very special to have baseball back me as much as they have. I've never thrown out a first pitch. I've caught plenty of them, but I've never gotten to throw one out. So it was it was an exciting moment. The thing that caught me off guard was the whole team coming out to the mound. Um, I thought that was an incredibly special moment. That really caught me off guard, and that was probably the most special moment of, of the night for me. That from June of 2018, as Danny Farquhar threw out the first pitch, 
at uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field, and that in itself was an amazing story and a wonderful moment because what happened last year on April twentieth, two thousand eighteen, was so uh, distressing for for baseball fans and so scary, obviously for Danny and his family. And we are pleased to bring Danny Farquhar on six seventy the score right now, and he joins us on Hit and Run. On the Al Pimonte Ford hotline, Al Pimonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. Danny, thanks for the time. Good morning. How you doing? No, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Matt. A- absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, just it, it's just it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to hear just in that clip. And I'm sure that it is kind of continued what can happen sometimes when you have a scare like you did, which is this sort of. This 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 moment where people reach out to you that you never expected to reach out to you and you realize, oh, wow, I guess I do have some people who I have made an impact on. I guess I do have some support out here in the world and kind of changes your entire perspective on stuff, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I mean, it does big time when, you know, you have people reaching out to you on social media that have experienced the same thing and are talking about how I went through it and how I can help and and it just doesn't even have to be brain aneurysm survivors. Just people that get hurt in general are reaching out to me and, and asking for little tips um, on, on how I coped with it and what, what, how I can help to help with, um, with their situation. You know, so, so Danny had a, a, a ruptured aneurysm that caused uh, some bleeding in the brain on that April 2018. And, and the recovery... Was was astounding, um, and, and I wonder I wonder how long it was until you thought about all right I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pitch like like when was that when in the process did you say to yourself not only am I gonna live not only am I gonna function not only am I gonna do all that I'm gonna try to pitch too. So I mean it was as soon as I came to realization that I was in the hospital I was you know I was like three or four days out of surgery and I woke up and. Um, or not that I woke up, but I became aware of, of what was going on. And I, I told my wife, like, hey, does, does my team, like, know I'm here? Like, I, I'm going to be late for practice. And, uh, you know, from that moment on, you know, I, I've always wanted to be a baseball player. And I never had a doubt in my mind that, that my playing career wouldn't continue, um, even though it did come to an end uh, much shorter than, than I anticipated. Um, you know, I never, I never, not for a second, doubted that I would that I wouldn't be back on the mound well and and you got there and you got there and I know you didn't get back to the majors but the fact that you got back to the minors and you got and in the Yankees farm system and you had a chance to be out there on the mound is there I mean I'm hopeful for you that there's a sense of closure in 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 that way that at least you got there and you realized all right uh, I know where I stand, and I know that physically I was able to get back here on the mound um, even if it, it it wasn't reaching the final step Yes. No, I absolutely have closure. I mean, I put, I can't even tell you the amount of hours I put into work. Um, Probably the hardest in my career, just because of how far back I was, you know, after the surgery, um, you know, 18 days in in the ICU, it really knocks you back. So I had to put in all the extra work just to get back to full strength. And then, you know, it was just, it was just work and work and work. And then like I busted in, I felt like I was full go. And then I finally got to triple A and I got there and I was like, holy cow, I am severely overmatched and, and not ready. And, um, you know, obviously the Yankees saw it as well and, and they released me. And, um, you know, I think at that point I was just ready to go on to the next stage in my career. Cause, um, it, I guess it just shows how elite, 
of a pitcher you have to be to compete. It's not like, you know, you can't just go out there and throw anything and and get out. Um, so, so I definitely wasn't, I wasn't good enough. So it, it, what, what, when did you, what was the uh, realization in terms of overmatched? Was it like, oh, these hitters are hitting me? Or was it the other pitchers that you were looking at next to you? No, it was just the pitchers. It was the first day I got to AAA. And these guys are in midseason form, and I'm watching them play catch, and I was like, holy cow, these guys are really, really good. And, um, and you know, I had been watching myself play catch, and I had been in extended for a while. And, um, you know, first day I got there, I was like, wow, I am nowhere near as good as these guys. And um, that was when I truly realized uh, how far back I was. So, so you realize that, and you and you realize, okay, I think I need to move on. And look, you played for four different teams, seven years, four different teams. I bet you have a good relationship with the Rays. You know, I, I, I mean, you have other good relationships. Why the White Sox, and how did this come together, Danny? That that you ended up getting hired by them as a minor league pitching instructor. So I did reach out. I did reach out to the organizations um, that I had been with in the past, and um, you know, I had I had a couple. A couple teams offered me jobs and job interviews, and um, the White Sox relationship was definitely special because of how well they took care of me, how well they took care of my family during the process, and I just I love the whole organization from top to bottom, and so it was it was an easier decision for me um, to go ahead and, and and choose them, and and I'm happy for it, and. Um, I can't wait to get going. I mean, I'm already here in Birmingham. I've been here for, I think, four or five days now, and it's it's just been incredible. All right, so you're down in Birmingham working with Omar Vizquel and Rich Dotson, right? What, what, what's, yeah. what's what's the job? Give me uh, give me a description of, of like, a daily uh, life in that job so far, Danny. So right now I'm basically shadowing uh, uh, Richard Dotson, and um, he's the pitching coach here. And, I mean, I'm I'm talking to players with Richard talking to players without him, just like just having guys ask me questions. Um, I'm definitely here to like learn more about like the ins and outs of the coaching side. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just here to help out, just give a different perspective. I mean, you pull up two pitching coaches, two of the best pitching coaches in MLB, and they're going to have different outlooks on anything. Um, and that's how I was as a player. Like I like, I like talking to different players. I like talking to different coaches and take the information that was applicable to how I pitched and things that I could use. So, you know, that's kind of what I'm here for, to provide these guys with with an extra source of knowledge. Um, you know, I've been around the game for a while, so I feel like I know a little bit about baseball, and I've, I've done so many things. I've thrown from different arm angles. I've thrown different pitches. I've had successes. I've had failures, big leagues, minor leagues. You know, I've I've been through a lot. You know, trades, designated for assignments. I've just I've been released a couple of times now, and I've just done it all. So I think I'm a pretty good package as to helping guys with pitch management, um, pitch sequencing, you know, mental skills. Uh, so so yeah, that's kind of what I'm here for. Yeah, that's a lot there. All right, so you've got the experience all over the board in so many different facets uh, of the game like you talked about, but you also mentioned pitch sequencing and stuff like that. And 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 there is, you know, you learned a lot in, in your time, and we heard stories about your time here when you were with the White Sox that you were bringing some stuff that you had learned down in Tampa. So I think you've always been inquisitive, right? And I think... 
and, and, uh, and some of that stuff, you've got an opportunity here uh, with the White Sox to, to bring some of that experience and some of that thought process here to a, to a rebuilding organization that is sort of, sort of still in process of putting their pitching infrastructure together. I think that's fair to say, don't you? Yes, yes. And, um, you know, that's, I, I spoke a lot with Chris Getz, and mm-hmm. um, that's what he said. He said, you know, we, we, we want you to come here and learn and, and teach us too. So I'm excited. All right, so tell me about, is this apocryphal or is it true, that you were the guy who first got in Lucas Giolito's head and said, you know what, your four-seam fastball has a lot of carry on it. We were looking at this down in Tampa. You know how good your four-seam fastball is, and you should pair it with that changeup. Put those two together. How early were, was your voice in that process? Because that's been a big part of Giolito's transformation. So it was when we first played catch together in AAA. I think it was... Uh... I can't remember where we were. I think we might have been in Durham, in Durham, and it was our first time playing catch. And I was like, "Dude, man, like you're fast. You're forcing fastballs. Got some life. Got some carry. Uh, you know, you ever use it in the top of the zone?" He's like, "No, not intentionally." And I was like, "You need to start, man." And he was throwing me a two seamer, and and also like I would look at the numbers because we had. Um, I think I actually I think we had to wait till he was in the major leagues to look at the numbers, and. Um, you know, and sure enough, like he started elevating that fastball at the at the end of 2017 and seeing results. And you know, I was like, "Hey, man, like that's awesome!" And he would throw his two seamer every once in a while, and when it wasn't located, he'd get beat with it. I was like, "You need to stop throwing that two seamer." And sure enough, he had a he had a killer. Um, you know, end of August into September, and then we shut up to uh, to the season in in 2018, and he was throwing his two seamer. <laughs> I kept trying to tell him to stop throwing it, and um, you know, and then it wasn't it wasn't just that, but it, there was a lot of other factors. They they shortened his arm swing, and I think there was a couple other things that he adjusted to. So it wasn't just me telling him to scrap his two seamer, but but yeah. So it was it was in AAA when I first got in his head. So it's you. You're the one, Danny Farquhar, to credit. No, you're right. There's a lot of different things. He went back and worked with his old high school coach, and I know he yeah. moved. He moved his position on the rubber um, a, a little sideways. He also said that he's worked on the mental side. It takes all of that. You know, it, yeah, it, it, it yeah, takes all exactly. of those factors. But, yeah. but, but the fact that you noticed it right there as you're playing catch, hey, you're, this, this has some, some life on it. And then you can look it up. And, and, and we've all learned a lot through Giolito's uh, transformation because Carrie, the absence of drop, right? It's like it, it looks like – it's rising. Fastballs don't rise, but they look like they're rising when they have good carry. And man, you can work at the top of the zone. That's what's happening all around baseball. I yes. I, uh, so so stay on that path, man. Whatever whatever you did there, stay on that path with some of those double <laughs> A guys, right? Yeah, uh, that, that's that's awesome. Um, and I, I think there is an opportunity uh, here for you. What what what's the what's the dream? Big league pitching coach. Oh well, clearly. I mean, everybody everybody wants to be in the big league, um, but you know, you don't go from you don't go from playing to coaching in the big leagues. That's not how it works. You know, you got to put you got to get down in the minor leagues. You got to put in your time. You got to put in your energy. You have to learn. And um, yeah, I mean, eventually, I would love to be a big league pitching coach. Um, so so yeah, that's that's the end goal. And, uh, your kids are how old now? I know at the time of of the the aneurysm, I think you had one that was six months and one that was a couple or two two that were older than that. How old are they now? 
So my daughter's going to be eight here at the end of this month. Um, my son's going to be four in September. And then my other son will be two in November. Wow, tremendous. Well, uh, I'm glad their dad is around, Danny. So con- congrats on, uh, on the health and uh, congrats on a, on a career. Seven, seven years and four different teams with an ERA under four. That ain't bad. That ain't bad. No, no, bad. no. I'm, pr- I'm proud of it. I'm sad it ended so quickly, but I'm proud of my career. Good. Good for you. And uh, good luck uh, down the road here. Nice talking to you, Danny. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate your time. You got it. That's Danny Farquhar, the minor league pitching instructor for the Chicago White Sox. Um, and a very, very smart dude. He's the guy. He's the guy who saw Giolito's four-seamer and said, hey, man, you should be throwing that more. And then he came back. And did you love that? Giolito comes back the next year, and he's throwing the two-seamer again. And Danny's like, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> love it. Farquhar for, uh, for future pitching coach. It's 670 the score. Uh, we are taking you towards Cubs pregame at the bottom of the hour. Some phone lines open right now at 312-644-6767 if you want to talk about anything regarding these teams in town. And certainly Cubs conversation coming off of Kyle Hendricks' brutal start last night. The bizarre kind of you know comedy of, of absurdities state of the Cubs bullpen as it stands now. Something that concerned me about one of those bullpen injuries just a little bit. And uh, a different kind of local hook to the Aristides Aquino story that I want to bring up to you as well. So we'll try to squeeze all that in between now and the bottom of the hour on Hit and Run. It is Matt Spiegel here with you on 670 Score. Bottom of the hour, by the way, was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Your Western Conference champion, Chicago Wolves, will open the season on Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit ChicagoWolves.com. Keep it right here on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.